I speak to you in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Ash Wednesday is the first day of Lent, and so the themes of Ash Wednesday are, broadly speaking, the themes of Lent. And there are two words that sum up these themes, um, which, one of which is sin and the other of which is death. And these are the two great cosmic powers that Paul's thought was around and the Christian um, proclamation is that we are liberated from the power of sin and death through following Jesus and through the work of Jesus on the cross. And we put ourselves into that process through the process of Lent. So every Lent we remind ourselves that the, the fundamental Christian way is a way of following Jesus on the road to the cross um, and and uh, receiving the benefit of his victory over the powers of sin and death and engaging with those two cosmic powers um, in somewhat opposite ways, but both of which go towards their overcoming. And the, the way that we overcome sin is to reject it. The way that we overcome death is to accept it. And so we have the sign of ashes where we accept death. We accept the reality of our physical death so that we are no longer afraid of it and so that our fear of death does not lead us to be sinful. Um, and we commit ourselves to the rejection of sin in our own life and walk. And so we die to ourselves and we rise to new life. And the ashes symbolize our physical mortality, but also the symbolic mortality of putting to death all that stands between us and God in our walk of faith. These readings are fabulous. They're some of my favorite readings in the lectionary, and there are sermons that I would love to preach, and I'm not going to, but I, I can't not point towards these sermons so you can fill in the blanks yourselves. There's an environmental sermon in Joel. Um, Joel is based on a plague of locusts which is devastating the countryside. And like all the great prophets of the Old Testament, the prophets drew a straight line between the moral behavior of Israel and the consequences that are both military and environmental consequences. And so the plague of locusts in the mind of Joel is due to the, um, to the, the bad behavior of Israel. And if only Israel would repent, then maybe God could relent and remove this plague from us. And as 21st century modern people, we go, oh, that's a little superstitious. And yet, as 21st century people looking at the climate crisis, is there not a straight line between the mendacity of humanity and the, uh, the signs and portents in the, the very weather itself, these natural occurrences? So that, that instinctive connection of the ancient prophets who didn't have the advantage of um, complex dynamic systems theory to analyze what was going on with weather patterns um, still pointed towards something fundamentally true. And the message of Joel is a message of hope. Even now you can repent. And who knows, maybe God will relent. So it is a message both of repentance and of hope in the midst of the climate crisis. But I am not preaching that sermon today. That's enough. You get the bullet points, you can fill in the dots yourself. Another great sermon that I'm not going to preach is the Gospel of Matthew about how you don't brag about your spiritual practice. 
That is a great Ash Wednesday, uh, and, and it goes to the sin of pride. And the sin of pride is insidious. It comes into everything we do. It even comes into our religious life, where our religious life becomes a point of pride. I, I am a good person because I have these virtuous practices, and never mind what your religion is or your spirituality or whatever, it's so easy to turn it into something that you cling to for the sake of your identity and sense of self-worth. And so all of a sudden you have turned it into a point of pride, and you have lost the reward, as Jesus says in Matthew's Gospel, when it's not to, when when these practices are not aimed towards the death of sin in your own self, and towards the renewal of life, a life grounded in love, not in sinfulness, um, then you you're not getting the reward because you're not getting the transformation. You've just shifted your pride from this point to that point. You're not proud of yourself because you're financially successful. You're proud of yourself because you are righteous. And the pride has just found another peg to hang its hat on. And that's not the sermon you're getting today either. I'm sorry. I I amuse myself with these little things. But they're such good points and I, I can't leave them alone. Really where my, uh, my heart has been for the last eight days has been Ukraine. And, and that's, that's been the context of all of my reflections of the, the last little while. And as we move into Lent, when we talk about the power of sin and death, is there no more obvious straight line between sin and death as war itself? And if we are going to be serious about repentance and about entering into this, this journey of transformation where we die to the old way and rise to the new, there's not a lot we can do for Ukraine. I feel very small in the face of these kinds of world events. Um, media, being what it is in our interconnected world, makes me feel like Ukraine is just over the, the hills, right over there. It's, it feels next door, um, even though it's half a world away and I can do nothing about it. So I can't do much about bringing peace to Ukraine. I can pray, and I and the Pope says today is a day of prayer for peace in Ukraine, so let's get on it, absolutely. Um, but what I can do is I can look at the question of sin and redemption right in here. And so my question for this Lent is not what can I do for Ukraine, it's what can I do in my own heart that moves me from a place of warlikeness to a place of peaceableness, to move from war and peace. And here I am indebted to Thomas Merton, who said the root of war is fear. Now, fear didn't make it onto the medieval list of the seven deadly sins, but it should have, um, because Merton is exactly right. I don't want to kill anybody unless I'm terrified of them. That's when I get murderous. I mean, um, put a wasp in the room, and I want to kill it. Why? Not because I hate wasps, because I'm afraid of them. They're going to sting me, and they're going to hurt me, and so I'm going to kill them, and then I won't get hurt. And that is the microcosm of what causes war. Um, It Right now, in Canada and the U.S., people are calling for more guns in the civilian population because look what happened in Ukraine, and they have to defend themselves, and so the solution is more guns. Now, in the States, there's a constituency that says the solution to everything is more guns, never mind what the question was. So that's predictable. But in Canada, there is an uptick in our enthusiasm for military budgets and our armed civilians and all the rest of it. Why? Because we're afraid. Putin might do it to us, or to those we love. 
And so the root of that war-making is fear. And if we are driven by fear, then we will be driven to war. And I'm not saying that Ukraine shouldn't defend itself. I'm rooting for them. I have Ukrainian family. My heart is there. I am appalled. And Putin's not a nice guy. And I am, I will, you will never hear me apologize for Russia's behavior. And yet, as a Christian, the goal is not to smash the bad guys to smithereens because they scare me. It's to beat our swords into plowshares. And how do we do that except by overcoming that fearfulness? How do we do that except by acknowledging the fear that drives our behavior and our emotions and, and pledging ourselves not to, be, to have let our behavior be governed by fear? Domestically, we've just come through a period of an occupation of, of Ottawa by a convoy. And if you listen to the convoyers, the driving rhetoric was the rhetoric of fear. Canada is becoming an authoritarian regime. We are all suffering. These rules are, uh, are wrecking everything. Justin Trudeau is a monster, and, and our way of life is threatened, and I'm losing the Canada that I thought I loved. All that rhetoric is the rhetoric of fear. And so that drives people to behave aggressively and, and engage in warlike behavior, like the cutting off of supply chains. The root of war is fear. Merton is right. And if we are going to be people of peace, we have to start right here. It's easy to point our fingers across the Atlantic Ocean and say, you people should find a better way to peace. It's hard to say, how do we become people of peace right here and now in our own relationships, in our local civic politics, in our domestic uh, concerns? How do we uh, allow Christ to liberate us from the fear of death so that we can live and, and have all of our actions governed not by fear, but by love. And that, for me, takes the true courage. I, I'm, I'm thrilled by the courage of the Ukrainians, but I, I have to put that courage at a lower level than the courage that is willing to stand up against the forces of evil and say, I will do no harm, and though I lose my life, I still stand for peace and for righteousness. And what we pray for in the current conflict over there is that we have a resolution that leads to a just peace. Not just an ending of bombs, because that can create a very unjust situation of suffering, but a just peace. And, and the goal must be to find a way to, 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 to achieve that outcome for the people on the ground who suffer so greatly in times of war, always the civilian populations to the majority of the suffering. So as we follow the news, as we uh, support those in need, um, let's be very aware of what's going on inside of our own hearts. I notice in myself I'm a lot more interested in what's going on in Ukraine, because my wife is Ukrainian and I've got connections there, than what's going on in Myanmar, for example, where war crimes are happening right now at a worse level than they are in Ukraine. And nobody cares. Because why? They're not, they're not Europeans. They're not like us. We're not afraid of Myanmar. We're afraid of Russia. And so our, even our understanding of the world and where we pay attention is still governed by that um, visceral instinct that we have uh, that leads us to self-protection at all costs. 
And this is just a reflection on my own state. I don't know where you're at um, with all this stuff. I expect it's pretty common, um, certainly based on what I've been reading. And, and I tell you what I tell myself, which is that I, what I want to be is a, is a follower of Jesus. And, and I want to be someone that lives out of love, not out of um, anger and revenge and fear and violence. And when I am pulled in that, dir- in that direction, as I am, and say, somebody ought to get those guys, I have to check myself and say, what's really going on? Because the other side of that is, it's really easy to be manipulated when I'm in that place. And if we are to resist that manipulation, to be people of peace, we need to be very intentional about what's going on inside ourselves. Where is the love, is the question, not where is the fear. And the whole message of Lent, Ash Wednesday, is when we accept the dying, then Christ provides the power for the rising. We discover, to our own surprise, that we are on the other side of it, and we become people of love, even when we don't feel like it. Um, because the big message is that grace works within us in ways that we can't get, in, in places we can't get to on our own. And so the call of Lent is a call to transformation, but not through brute force of will, through the activity of grace by the opening ourselves to God's work in us through prayer. And so I invite you to engage in Lent, to recommit to a prayer discipline, to to do the self-examination and see where in your own heart are the things that are still preventing you from being the person of love that you deeply are, uh, you already are, and, and what's blocking that for you. And I think that's the homework for all of us, particularly when our emotions are hot and when people are suffering and what we really want is for the bad guys to get it in the end like at a Disney movie. So I, I share that with you. Uh, it's very much in process. I wish I could tie it up with a neat little bow, but I can't because it's, it's going on as we speak. And so with the Pope, I am praying for peace in Ukraine. I'm praying for the civilians, all the soldiers, Ukrainian and Russian, uh, the ones who are just following orders and wanting to get home alive and aren't going to. Um, these, these are all children of God who are suffering and dying right now due to the problem of sin that hasn't gone anywhere um, despite our best efforts. And in God we trust, because even now, who knows if God may turn and relent and bring this calamity from us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. 